Hello and welcome to Humanitarian AI Today, a podcast series produced by the Humanitarian AI Meetup groups in San Francisco, Cambridge, New York City, London, Toronto and Zurich. This week we're interviewing individuals participating in Neo4j's Graphs for Good Hackathon, which wraps up this month. And today we've got a really special guest, Matt Cloyds, with us. He's currently a grad student at UMass Boston with experience in civic technology. He's here to talk to us about Aspen. Welcome, Matt. Jump in and tell us about yourself, your background, and and of course, we'll go into more details about Aspen as well. Thank you for having me. So a little bit about my background. I come from the civic technology world. So most of my career so far has been working with people in municipal, you know, just local city and town government, uh, sometimes counties. I was one of the co-organizers with Code for Boston, which was one of the volunteer groups based out of Code for America. Um, I've worked at the state of Massachusetts developing technology for local planners. And after that, worked at a civic startup that was helping um, cities across the country with economic development through technology. So kind of the, the core nugget throughout all of this has been applying kind of the right amount of technology to help assist with really tricky um, civic and social problems. And after that, uh, my most recent move is to uh, go back to grad school. I'm in a Masters of Conflict Resolution program at UMass Boston, and my project actually came out of a class exercise there. So one day we're in class and we're um, whiteboarding all of the factors in a conflict. We broke it out into groups and my group has chosen the U.S.-China trade war, but other groups are working on, you know, um, tribal conflicts in Afghanistan and conflicts in Georgia and Russia around borders. And we start whiteboarding this conflict. We're mapping out all of the different factors and how all the factors interrelate. So, um, you know, if this factor changes, here's how it affects this other factor and either escalates or de-escalates the conflict. And at the time we were doing this, I had just started playing around with graph data for the first time. And I um, had the inspiration to try to put the conflict model into a graph database. And as I was trying to do this, I found that it was fairly tricky to get everything just right to make sure um, that the query language could load the data into the database. And I found myself wishing that I could just write really simple sentences that would say this factor affects that factor and just have it pop into the database and have this complex visualization with very simple English. And after probably a few months of kind of wishing for this language, I realized, you know, nobody else is going to do this. So I started to work on it. Um, I've never written a computer language before. And maybe calling it a computer language is giving it too much credit. It's just a markup language, but. Is that the project you're talking about? Aspen? Aspen is a markup language I've got here for turning text into graph data via Cypher for Neo4j. Is that right? It is. Yeah. What do you mean by markup? I'm obsessed with linguistics. So this is fascinating to uh, understand from this point of view, what, what it is. Yeah. So the basic idea is let's say that you have just, in my case, I was trying to write out all of the conflict factors and how they affect each other. But you could also, like, let's just take the example of this conversation. You could say, Mia is interviewing Matt. 
And you could write that out in just a plain text file. And with Aspen, what you do is you put parentheses around the names of the people and square brackets around the relationship. So it would be Mia in parentheses, square brackets is interviewing, and then in parentheses, Matt. And you run that through Aspen and it comes up as graph data in Neo4j. Oh, geez. Uh, so that the, how amazing. Yeah, so the basic idea is all you do is you're taking freeform text and annotating it. And that annotation is what causes it to be understood by the by the platform as a relationship in cipher how does that get organized like is it by noun by you know uh, verb like what's the organization of that data is it got to do with metadata perhaps like you know how does it get granular and, and take this and then translate it into graph you know how does it go from a to b so i think best way i can answer that would be if you put anything in your text in parentheses, it will understand that it is a node. And if you put anything whatsoever in square brackets, it will understand it to be the relationship. So you can take any type of object, any type of entity, um, any type of noun, wrap it in parentheses, and it will appear as an entity or as a node in Neo4j. If you tell it, um, there are a couple things that you can do to tell it what kind of a noun it is. So you could specify these particular nodes are people and it will label them as people in Neo4j or this is a company and it will know, like if you're putting a company name in parentheses, it'll know that that's the name of the company. So there are ways to tell it what kind of noun it is. So Matt, is there any way you can describe or explain how this all works? Sure. So um, the first way that you take text data and turn it into graphs is, um, as we discussed, putting parentheses around the nouns or the nodes and square brackets around the uh, relationships. Um, there's also a feature, it might be a little bit hard to explain verbally, but um, it's there on the website. There's a feature uh, that I call custom grammars. And what you do is you use a special syntax and what it does is, let's say your text notes, I'm trying to think of an example from the documentation. Let's say your text notes are all about campaign donations. And there are a few different sentences. There's, you know, this person donated this dollar amount to this person. Another note says this person gave this person another dollar amount. And there's a way to write sort of template sentences. So when the, the text is being processed, these template sentences will be matched uh, against all of the text, the narrative data. And if they match, then Aspen knows exactly what relationships to form as a result. So it'll go through, scan the text, and you don't even need to add the parentheses or brackets. Um, and any, if, if any of that is confusing, all of the documentation, there are visual examples up on uh, the website. That sounds awesome. So in reference to like, the topic we're talking about COVID-19 and, you know, what, what would that look like? Are you, what's Aspen doing with, with COVID-19? So at the moment, it's not, um, not currently being used for anything COVID-19 related. I know a lot of the graphs for good hackathons are really about that, that specific issue. Aspen's goal so it, it's, you know, it doesn't necessarily have an inherent mission baked in, but it comes out of conflict resolution work. And I'd really love to see people use it 
for things around COVID-19 or other types of humanitarian work, social good work, peace building work, because that's, you know, kind of the domain, the domain I come from and civic tech. And I see in these notes here, we're building way for less technical folks to produce graph data from text notes. So, and you've got an invitation, feel free to get in touch if you think this might be useful for your graphs for good project. I think I'm not supposed to be reading this out loud, but I am. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, no, I'm just giving you a bit of context there. So, yeah, what can we do there? So I read a um, a piece, forget exactly where it was, but I read something where uh, they were saying for a long-term response to this pandemic, they're going to need, you know, the world is going to need an army of contract contact tracers tracing the infection in every community. Mm-hmm. And the purpose I see of Aspen is to sort of democratize the creation of graph data and to help people visualize graph data. And so one thing I'm imagining is people who have been, you know, recruited to be contract tracers, they could just write in text, like this person contacted this person, et cetera, and just have their free form text. And then with very little effort, either they or some technical support staff, mm-hmm. all they have to do is put parentheses and brackets around certain things. And all of a sudden you've got a visual, um, you've got a graph of data that can be analyzed with the uh, graph algorithms. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, my dream is for people to eventually be using this to do things like contact tracing or field workers who are doing conflict analysis, you know, just taking notes as normal and then just adding a little bit of markup and boom, you've got a visual model. Uh, Is anyone helping out from social media companies? Yeah, I'm just thinking of my own network as quite tragic. I haven't shared this with anyone yet. Yeah, someone from my network just died from COVID. I'm sorry to hear that. In LA. And she was at Davos. And she got back to LA and 10 people from her network in LA uh, and wherever her network was, had it. It it multiplies, but she self-isolated. And uh, in that isolation, she communicated with um, hospitals who basically told her to stay at home. Ten days later, she died. What can we do to take it from knowing so much? We're aware of a lot. We've got maps of everything. We know this beast is out there. You know, how do we stitch it up? And that's probably not a question for you, but I'm just kind of wondering about this because it's very, very recent. So Matt, we're talking about markup language and curious how planning to take it from where it is and, and scale it. That would be great. If, you, if you've got like ideas on, on that, that'd be great if you can share that. Yeah. Um, okay, I do want to uh, answer kind of the bigger question that uh, Mia brought up around her friend and kind of knowing all of this is out there because I think it's, I mean, obviously I don't have an answer to that question, but I do want to address it before getting to, you know, how, how to scale up my project. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the first thing that comes to mind is like, I don't think that as much as I wish it were so, like, I don't think, you know, technology is the solution here. Like, I'd love to be able to say, oh yeah, um, my project and all of these other hackathon projects are going to solve it and we're going to swoop in and there's going to be an answer. 
I, you know, I can see all of the hackathon projects. There's some really fascinating stuff that people are working on. And I think that all of the things that people are doing are ways of kind of getting agency in a situation like this. Like, you know, graph data is not going to solve the pandemic, but are there insights that we can bring? Are there things that we can do? And I think that the, the, there's only, but there's only so much that the technology can do. Like we do need an army of contact tracers and yes, maybe, you know, I'd love to see um, Aspen contribute to helping people quickly and easily help contact trace, but people aren't going to kind of be able to do that in a meaningful way and sort of vigilante style one-off there. You know, there needs to be bigger structures, which is why, you know, in Massachusetts, we've got Partners Healthcare partnering with the state to hire. I don't know how many they're, how many traces they're hiring. I think it's more than a thousand and like 5,000 people have applied for it. I'd love to contribute to that, but like, it's really the, the bigger responses that, that we need from government and healthcare. You know, the civic side is so important, you know, that, and we've talked earlier to other project guests, you know, just about what they're all doing and it's all very, very important stuff. And I do think it will cascade and spread into behaviors and, you know, different outlets will pick up on what's relevant and, you know, people, people do care about, you know, a technology has become very relevant. You know, we're all look at how we're communicating, you know, we're, we're all on zoom and now devices. So it, I don't know what we would do without technology actually through this entire <laughs> pandemic, you know, so it's super, super relevant. And I think everybody, I, I don't know how, you know, the capacity for that is working, but Going back to Aspen and you and your project and scaling up, that would be great if we can go back into that conversation. Sure. If you if you'd like to share some things there that yeah, do. Um, yeah, I think what Aspen needs right now is some early adopting users mm-hmm. because right now, you know, my dream is to make this very very accessible even to people who are not, you know, graph database developers or web developers or people using command line tools. I'd like to see this get in front of that audience. But right now, that's, you know, we're very early days in this language. It's been really just a personal project that I've been working on in my spare time for the last month or two. And what I need to understand, and I think anybody who's contributing needs to understand, is how are people going to utilize this and what would make it more valuable for people? Like, do we need to add a little natural language processing in there or is this technology enough? What are the needs um, of the people who might need graph databases uh, or graph data when you know mapping a conflict or contact tracing or what have you? So I think if anybody listening is interested in a very simple way to get from semi or unstructured text data into graph data, like, please get in touch, please contribute. I'm happy to, at this point, kind of like help people get set up, walk them through it, like jump on a call. It's so early for this language and I I see a lot of potential for it, but I think what it needs most is users. Yeah, absolutely. As any any language really, like the linguist in me, you know, um, knows that. And you you called it Aspen, is that your, is that your kind of, what's the story there? 
Um, so part of it is I'm a little bit of a forest geography nerd. Um, and I like, I like projects that have natural imagery in them, et cetera. And uh, one of my favorite games uh, recently has been Firewatch. It came out 2015 or 2016. And there's this one place in the, uh, the national park that it's set in that's an aspen grove. And it's just this incredibly beautiful locale. Like even on a computer at low resolution, it takes your breath away. Um, and so I was thinking of a few different tree names, was trying to get something that was short, pronounceable, um, would let me have a couple puns. So if we ever have like a package manager, that's going to be the Aspen Grove, sort of like how Ruby has gems. And yeah, nice and short, easy to pronounce and has some nice natural imagery to it. Great. So Matt, what excites you about Aspen and the markup language being turned into text from, from text to graph data is you know, something there that you can talk about? Yeah, I think the thing that I think there are sort of two things that excite me about this. One, part of the, the passion that I have for this project, I never thought I'd be writing a computer language or spending this much time on a, a personal project. But I think one of the things that excites me most about this project is imagining it being used in the field. I'm imagining either my future career or other folks who are working in uh, places where they maybe don't have the best access to technology or they're new at it or they need some way to really map out all of the factors in some situation, whether it's a conflict or some other social or humanitarian good type of work. I really like the idea of giving people tools to go from just what they have in front of them, what they're working with, notes about the situation to being able to understand the situation in a new way. And I don't think that, you know, graph visualization is the only way to understand a conflict. I think, you know, really getting into and digging into the human elements, having people understand the emotional elements of these situations is also necessary for a full understanding. But I'm interested in also helping people get this graph-based understanding where they could, you know, run algorithms or even just seeing a picture of everything laid out can be really useful. Absolutely. Yeah. And Brent calls it a work of art and I can see that and I'm understanding more and more about graphs and you're the first person I've spoken to that takes some, um, you know, markup language and turns it into this, but I don't know if anyone else is doing it. Is, is anyone else doing that? That's sort of the thing. I think I started creating it because I couldn't find anything else. And now that you're doing it, has anyone come along and said, oh, look, we're doing this or we'd love to help? Like, How many people ideally do you need to adopt this? I, um, I actually, this morning, I woke up and I had received earlier in the morning an email from somebody in Australia who... I, we haven't connected, so I don't know exactly what he's doing, but he alluded to the fact that he and his team are also working on simplifying graph data creation. I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know exactly what their approach is, but I'm really curious to see. And it's a little bit validating to hear, oh, somebody else is working on this issue. Like it is a problem. When I first started this, I was like, all right, none of this, none of what I imagined should exist actually exists. So am I imagining this problem? Is this really only going to be a tool that I am going to use to play around with? And it turns out there's 
you know, small but simmering, growing interest from people. Great. Lovely. Well, you know, you've, you've shared a lot and, and this is great that you, you're involved in Neo4j Graphs for Good. In closing, is there anything else you'd like to share with or any takeaways to our humanitarian AI members? And then you mentioned your needs already, but if anything else occurs to you while you think about that. Yeah, I don't think I have any messages that people wouldn't already know. I mean, if anything, I might just say, like, I think it's so important for the people in in this network to be doing the work that they're doing and trying to utilize technology as ways to continue doing that work. So, you know, if I can end on anything, it would just be words of encouragement, like you're doing good things, keep doing it. Absolutely. Yeah, we need a lot of encouragement. And this hackathon's great. Thanks so very much, Matt, for letting us interview you today. It was great speaking with you. Uh, This wraps up another episode of Humanitarian AI Today.